Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's go back to 2009 with Squidge. Let's look at the Lions Tour again with Squidge. And we're at the end. Welcome to a slightly less incredible that we got here type finale episode of a series of the Squidge Retrospective podcast, this time covering a Lions tour, namely the Lions tour of South Africa in 2009. We've previously covered every game from the 2011 Rugby World Cup, if you want to go back and listen to those, but we've just done all, well, yeah, we've sort of done all the games from the 2009 We've done all but one of them. Yeah. I mean, plus the one we're about to do. Yeah, that's true. And we've condensed down a few of them. But we've done them. And there's one that we've not done. But if we do a wrap-up episode, which we haven't decided whether or not we will, we'll maybe just briefly gloss over that. But The the thing is, as I said, it's really hard to find footage from that game against the Emerging Springboks. Oh, somebody DM'd Um, me with the full game. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was not aware of this. Yeah, um, I forgot to tell you about that. Yeah, should we do all, all our other admin? On I'm there? just gonna, I'm just gonna quickly. Um, Alex Moon DM'd mm. me that, so thank you, Alex. We may or may not get to that at some point. It's a Welsh language commentary of it, so it's so hard to find because it's in Welsh. So, right. Okay. Yeah. So Brilliant. we could maybe do that at some point, but we'll we'll decide that off air. I imagine. Sure. Uh, because in the meantime, on air we have a lion's test to run over. Yes. Uh, this was the third test from 2009. Previously, for people that are unaware, that don't remember the previous two weeks, never mind 12 years ago, South Africa won the series 2-0, two really yeah. tightly fought games that could have gone either way in the last minute. One of them very much did. You know, an aggregate score of eight points to South Africa between those two. The Lions, after losing the series already in straight sets there, first two games, uh, and after everything that happened in 2005 and after them losing in 2001 as well, there was a lot of pressure on should the li- does the Lions make sense in the professional era? Can it continue? You know, And a lot of people saying they really needed to win this game in order for there to be a reason for the Lions to continue going forward. Sure. I, I hate the whole thing of like, oh, yeah, you know, let's play it for pride. Let's put some pride in the jersey. It's blah, blah, blah. But this game is kind of the one exception where all of mm. those cliches kind of come to the fore, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we'll get onto the specific tries that are scored. But like the fashion in which the Lions won this really did instill a bit of pride in them. And it makes me reflect well on how good this tour was. And naturally this is obviously my favorite of the three tests i think is mm. objectively the worst game of the three yes oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a by, by like quite a yeah, yeah yeah but it is one of my favorite lines tests i've ever watched even mm. though it was in theory a dead rubber it's it's just such a joy to see the manner in which the lines won it yeah no absolutely absolutely and because they, they do win it it's a 28 points to nine win for the british and irish lions so should we look at the teams should we sure Moving to the teams, because the, both teams make a lot of changes from that second test, yeah. mostly because they were still trying to cart the bodies out of the, yeah, out, yeah, out yeah. Of the stadium, you yeah. know, at the sheer level of violence and the rest of the body parts left over. Dead. 
Yes. No, a few of them were just missing limbs, you know. Yeah, it turns out, um, I don't know if you've ever done this, you've ever tried this, but it's really hard to play rugby with no legs. Right, I've not As in, like, like a, a lion's test. Like, yeah, you can play yeah, yeah. wheelchair rugby, you know, there's lots of variations of rugby you can take part in. Sure. Uh, but playing in a lion's test when you've got no legs is actually pretty difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I've only done it once, in fairness. Like, I, I get right. why, you know... At lion's test standard, you've only done it once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that was, like, what happened to a few of the lion's players, like... Uh, yeah. Luke Fitzgerald uh, had no eyes, of course, yeah. but you know, unfortunately, he wasn't. They weren't playing the stadium at the end of Event Horizon. There was Geffen Jenkins had uh, no body parts, but he was still alive. Yeah, um, that was a weird and it was one. a really weird one. Yeah. yeah, it's like on Rugby A Four when you get there was an injury. <laughs> yes, you get on on Rugby A Four, right on the career mode which we'd play the World League. Yeah, you would. It would come up saying if the player got injured, what their injury was. It would say. Leg injury, arm injury, and then more specific than that, it would say, say, broken hip, you know? Yeah. It would just say, like, two words for what the injury was, but there was one you could get that was max injuries. And that meant they had injured every single part of their body. They had every injury possible. And that would typically rule them out for, I think, about two years, right? Yeah, about two years they'd be out for. So Gareth Anscombe had max injuries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing is, on the version of Rugby 04 we had on the PC, you couldn't Mm. actually play beyond one season of career mode without the game crashing. Of course you couldn't, yes. Yeah. So, in fact, it might have been two seasons, because I seem to remember... I think it was two seasons. I I seem to remember we'd managed to sign Ethan Othewa. Uh, mm. to play 10 for us uh, and there was, the rest of the team was just uh, automatically generated you know there was mm. C. Heffler the uh, the yeah. amazing fly half who could kick from everywhere and when he comes up with max injuries you just think well I've just got to quit the game bro yeah we want to start again we've got to yeah. start again we've got we to can't play without Heffler yeah. yeah the great thing about Rugby 4 as well is it had this little thing it had this little thing on the menu you could go into and it would bring up a, like a spreadsheet of everything you'd won in the game right and it would have like, and it would tip the boxes. So it would come up saying you have won the top fourteen as two out of the fourteen teams. And oh, because yeah. I've got a little bit of my brain, like I would often think, well, I've really got to do all of it. You know, I've really got to go and win the the top fourteen as Bezier now. It's one for the bucket list. Should we, yeah. should we start streaming this on Twitch? Trying to get playing every rugby single, four, winning win every, every competition as league. every team without getting max injuries. Rugby 08, I reckon people would tune in. Rugby 04, people would look at, they'd hear John Inverdale's commentary going, Heffler, Nonu, makes the break. <laughs> Scores the try. Etc. And we were Rugby 04 kids. They, yeah, we were. Hardcore. Because uh, we didn't have a PS2. And hey, hey, my my true passion in life is running sideways as a fly half. And automatically finding a gap. <laughs> automatically making a break. Like, it just appeared. It just appeared yeah. in front of me. I'll tell you what. So, back when, in our Rugby 04 days, when we would mm. play this pretty much daily. We Pretty much 24-7, to be honest. I, I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. We, we didn't sleep, did we? Yeah. Yeah. What we would do is, because we, we didn't have two controllers, it was on the PC. No. You know, and this is back before PC gaming was like a, a big thing. Thing as far as it hadn't reached us at least if it was I don't we only know, used I don't, Solitaire yeah games. Solitaire was the only game yeah, that came yeah, out yeah. Yeah. it was Solitaire and 4 yeah. yeah but um, what we would do is so we'd play a match and one of us would play the first half and the other one would play the second half and yeah. the other person would pretend to be Miles Harrison whoever wasn't playing who would uh, would pretend to be Miles Harrison and or Stuart Barnes <laughs> yeah. yes uh, and it led to the classic line sometimes, you forget to commentate, Miles, oh, yes! one of us would forget to commentate. Oh, man. And we always then came in as Stuart Barnes and said, you forget to commentate, Miles. 
Oh, man. What, what, st- what stupid children we were. How the fuck have you got a like, big rugby YouTube channel after that? No, it's because I stopped forgetting to commentate like, miles. How have we I reached a point it. where people, other people, are listening to something where we're telling them about this? Yeah. So I mean, we can cut this. Yeah, but um, <laughs> we occasionally you toy with being. Oh, I'm going to be Eddie Butler this time. Or I'm gonna oh be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, every now and then. No one, no one in the playground when they're playing. You know, they might go. Oh, I'm Bags. I'm going to be Owen Farrell. I'm going to be Alan Wynne Jones. I'm going to yeah. be whoever. Yeah. Uh, we used to go back to Eddie Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be Charlo tonight. <laughs> Going to present Scrum Five Live. Oh man, it should have really, you know, on the Scrum Five Live theme gone. For, you know, when they just would inexplicably occasionally get like Zin Zambrook in, should have gone yeah, down yeah, that yeah. angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember them getting Zin Zambrook in once, uh, and him. And he was really just like, struggling. oh, they just need to go for drop goals. You know, the I remember him really struggling goals. with Toby Falatau, a young Toby Falatau's oh, yeah. name, like a 19-year-old Toby Falatau, yeah. and constantly getting his name wrong in a different way every and time like, he mentioned him. One day, you two are going to be in the same conversation for the best number eights of all time. <laughs> yes. So learn his name quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Justin Marshall used to turn up all the time, and he used to make a huge deal out of it. Yeah. I remember once doing a montage of Justin Marshall getting on the train to come to Scrum 5. I seem to remember this. teaser. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say, we're doing a really, really good job of talking through the South African team. It was great because we really were like straight to business for the first couple of minutes. And then. And then. Oh, four. And then it became. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Of course, the best thing on rugby four was the move. You know the move. Oh, yes. The the lineup move. The lineup move. Yeah, we'll come back yeah. to this. Yeah, because okay. um, this this will come up. I'm sure. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll make it come up. If it doesn't come up now, it will come up in our 87 series. We're we're, we're teasing it. We're setting yeah. up. Yeah, the rugby oh, form. What move. a move, though! It's a great move. It's a great move. Anyway, Chilean boy was playing over against Bath, I think. Yeah. So yeah. So the Springboks team. The Springboks make loads and loads of changes. I would say right. Uh, so all but two of their backline change and their pack. They keep. Sort of, I think it's five of the same pack, but they yeah. still make quite a few key changes. It's still a good team. Yeah, Nowhere yeah, near yeah. as good as the no. one that won the first two tests. But I'm going to say that it's still a very, very good pack. Yeah. Right? The back line is also there. It's questionable. I mean, you think, oh, they've brought in Jacques Ferry and Mornay Stain. That's brilliant. Yeah, you go, that makes sense. First start. It's weird. Mornay Stain not in the 10 jersey for the first couple of... Like, this is his first yeah. game in the 10 jersey, and that's weird. Especially to say they but, lost... It's like, yeah, as I say, you bring in four... Um, Foy Dupree keeps his place. Yeah. Juan Lovia keeps his place. He's played very well in the test series. Um, You're thinking of Eddie then... Jacobs. Oh, I am. Sorry, I, yes. I always think of them as the same player as well. So oh, don't no. worry about it. Okay. That's why, so... all of, that's why all of his hair grew so suddenly over yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, okay. Yeah, there's different players. Hi, I'm a professional rugby talker. About. <laughs> um, You're forgetting to commentate. So... <laughs> so... Fauri de Priya is the only back that keeps his place. Yeah. And otherwise, other than, as I say, Franz no, Mornay Stain and Jacques Ferry coming in, they kind of so, just make their back line slightly more shit. Can, can we just like, talk everyone's about just a more shit version of the player who started the Let's previous Let's talk game. about the, these are the world champions and the back three they selected. Yes. So on the left wing, we have Jean Guinocque, who, this was his last game for the Springboks. He'd played yep. a couple of games beforehand. And undoubtedly, say, say one positive thing about Jean Guinocque. He was very quick. He was very fast, wasn't he? Um, what else could he do? Uh, he scored four tries against Australia the previous year. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But tackling wasn't his strong point, right? I think that's no. probably safe to say. No. And on the other wing, 
they picked Mr. Blobby. And at fullback, <laughs> they picked Sideshow Bob. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, so it was Undergarney, uh, Oddwell Undergarney, not his yes. brother, uh, on one wing. And then we had uh, Zane Kirshner at fullback. So before uh, the game even started, I wrote down Kirshner as a dick of the day contender. <laughs> so so Nockway wins four caps in the end for the Springboks. Mm-hmm. Undergarney wins nine caps for the Springboks, right? And I think they kind of reflect those two players' careers, right? Of yeah. Nockway had enough positive attributes to win international caps. And he played pretty well in one of those games. Undungani was on this place who would look quite good at club level. Um, Undungani was because a good he was player. quick and like, he was quite well balanced. Yeah, Odwell Undungani was a good rugby. He was player. no like, good will, for international rugby. I don't think he was. He was not a regular test player for the best team no, in the world, no. right? Which is what he the South African team wanted. So to his be. twin brother won more caps than him, didn't he? As well, I. It's one of these things that I couldn't tell you which one was playing whichever game. Yeah, sure. So I couldn't have told you which. I, I think it was, was Odwell who went to the 2011 you... World Cup, wasn't it? Was it? I think so, yeah. Uh, no, no. Oh, yeah, Odwell, Odwell played against Fiji in the World Cup. Oh, okay, cool. Right. Um, but, yeah, so Zane Kirshner in for his test debut. Why? Was his test debut? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Okay, at this point, I suppose they didn't know any better. Oh, that's true, actually. And they, they probably thought, you know what, Franz Stein... You've, yeah. you've had a hard, you know, he's played very well in those first two tests, hasn't he? So, Fran Stein comes off the bench in this game. I'm going to spoil this, right? But he plays like a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, he does. And, and I get why they might go, I don't want to pick that guy. Let's throw literally anyone else in. They looked around the room and Zane Kirshner had the most distinctive hair. So they put him <laughs> in at fullback. Yeah, I'll, I'm excited to get onto Fran Stein in this game because he is completely different to the Fran Stein we've seen. The composed Fran Stein who played the second test. I'm just standing by it. He played like a dickhead. Yeah. Um, so, Zay, yeah, Zane Kirshner comes in and I think uh, you feel even more strongly about Zane Kirshner than I do. Sure. But I think Zane Kirshner is a crock of shit rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not far wrong. Uh, if anybody, um, if we have any uh, South African listeners who uh, think Zane Kirshner is bad, then you've seen nothing because you've not seen him playing fly half for the Dragons. Single-handedly losing them games. Like he, So he went to Leinster after yes. he played uh, in South Africa. And you know what? If you play for Leinster, you're probably going to play quite well because you're mm. playing for literally the best team in any Europe. game they play yeah. against. You know, yeah, yeah. In any, in any game they play, Leinster are always going to look better. So it'll make you look all right. And Zane Kirshner looked subpar in that Leinster team. Mm. He was he was just kind of there, you know. And they stopped playing him at fullback. They played him on the wing instead. At centre kind of as well. A bit of centre, yeah. And then after that, he realised his level and went to the Dragons. And he was genuinely probably their worst player for the season or two he was there. Uh, him and Carl yeah. Meyer, uh, another South African. Carl Meyer was just a very, very limited player. And he was very below that um, standard, to be honest. And like now he plays in MLR and I believe yeah. plays very well in MLR. He, played, he looks good in MLR. Yeah. He looks good in MLR. As I said, like uh, Carl Meyer was a player who'd been playing in the Welsh Prem a bit before coming yeah. to the Dragons. So it's a and he looked up. good in the Welsh Prem. Like he was one of those players who's kind of caught, like his level is basically Pro 14 standard. Yeah. Right? Sure. And so sometimes he kind of gets a bit lost in there. Zane Kirshner did not look up to it at all. No, no, no. Like, he was the worst the player on the pitch when he was, you know, their kind of star signing. He had 30 odd caps for the Springboks. And this was when the Dragons um, weren't good as well. Like, they, they yeah, weren't yeah, going yeah. through a, a bad period. Dragons like, he was 
probably the standout bad player in a really like the worst Welsh region at the time. Uh, yeah, anyway, like, so they... yeah, same Kirshner for you. And I'm aware that this test is long before he signed for the Dragons. So, you know, we'll, we'll think about how he does in this test. We'll be open minded. Why don't we? Should we look at the Lions? I want to just no. So I've just got up the first game. Zane Kirshner played for a ten for the Dragons. Uh, he started at ten. They lost at home to Treviso. I remember this and a bad Treviso, like a not very good Treviso yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. I remember Treviso played really badly on that day as well. Yeah, I remember that being a horrible game, and yeah. I remember him. Um, and the conditions were fine. I remember him trying a chip kick because he thought that's what fly halves do. Mm. And <laughs> Treviso had a full three man backfield. I remember him wind, like doing that thing where you're winding up to throw a wide pass to someone, a, a winger who was in space, and just the ball falling out of his hands. Oh, I remember um, this. I remember playing incredibly badly in the um, Judgment Day games as well. But yeah, so anyway, 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 Zane Kirshner, right? Neither of us are fans of, comes in for his test debut. I did not realise yeah. it was his test debut. So the Lions, Brian O'Driscoll's out. Uh, Jamie Roberts is out. So Tommy Bowe and Ricky Flutie playing the centres. This is Bowe's only test at 13. Yes. Um, for only test start he'd obviously filled in there the previous week and I believe he'd had a few times he'd filled in there for Ireland but really wasn't something that was asked of him much he played there the a level. chunk for the Ospreys the previous season and played there quite a lot the following season yeah um, so he he was he was he played there he loads for the Ospreys yeah, yeah yeah internationally he wasn't used there much I think typically because Keith Earls was usually on the other wing so he would usually mm. slot in before he would but mm. Tommy Bowe a terrific centre Ugo Monia also, comes back right? in the wing they go through the teams. They do that thing where they walk forward and they say their names and mm. they fold their arms, you know. Two notes on that, right? One is Stephen Jones comes out and has to say his position. And Stephen Jones says fly half. And this is deeply, deeply upsetting because Stephen Jones is the man who always says outside half. Yeah. Stephen Jones always called himself an outside half. And he's clearly come out, folded his arms, gone, Stephen Jones, outside half. And then someone's gone, sorry, Stephen, uh, we're calling it a fly half. Can you mm. say that? And Stephen has felt a part of his soul disappear yeah, yeah. as he has to say fly half. He is instead. the one outside half. Like I say, I call it a fly half, but yeah. uh, I would consider Stephen Jones an outside half. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I um, consider Dan Parks a standoff. Yes. I forget, there was another Scottish player who was, I remember saying standoff when the graphic came so out when he said it. It might have been Phil Godman. It was someone of that era. It might be David Blair. Um, you know, some some from that kind of period. Uh, yeah, so Tommy Bow, Ricky Flutie in the centres. And they changed both the wings as well. Um, so Shane Williams comes in on one wing, having been on the bench for the previous test. Yeah. Rainy World Player of the Year at the time, but off form. And Ugo Monia on the other wing after having, you know, receiving a lot of criticism for the first test, regardless of whether or not he deserved it. Yeah. And then obviously they have to change both props as well. Because both props get injured in the previous test. So yeah. Andrew Sheldon comes in and Phil Vickery returns. Yeah. He's back for redemption. And of course, in the week leading up to this game, there was that thing we spoke about before of uh, Ian McGeekin gives this really rousing speech. All the players end up leaving. Geech, the camera's still on him, unbeknownst to him, breaks down into tears. And who should come back but Phil Vickery to give him a big hug and yeah. tell him he loves him, um, which just speaks volumes about him. Of course, also in the week, uh, Peter de Villiers started talking about mm. how uh, we should all get some nice tutus and go to the ballet shop because they were complaining about Scott Berger eye gouging, claiming yeah. that this whole thing about rugby is a collision sport. Rugby is not just a contact sport. Dancing is a contact sport. And basically, um, I think the official journalistic term is that Peter de Villiers was being a knob. Yes, that is... Uh absolutely spot on uh, the one other thing the, the Lions also changed two in the back row um, of course Martin Williams and Joe so, 
Martin Williams comes in, nugget himself, and which is a delight. First Lions start for him after, on his yeah. third tour. Last test of his third tour, finally starts a test match, having been on the bench um, in two tours. I think that's a change worth making, you know? Yeah, like I do. Like for the third test, I think you want to shake it up a little bit and see what Martin Williams can bring. I think that's that's a good change. And Joe Worsley comes in at six because I think Ian McGee can notice Tom Croft was on the touchline anyway, so he might as well sit down. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Joe Worsley played well in this game, I thought. Um, yeah, he goes off injured a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, I, I could never figure out who the Lions back row was. No. <laughs> there was points where I was like, hang on, did you not go off early? So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they probably played with 18 players, but who knows? <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 but the bench, the bench, oh. right? The light, the benches, I mean, we haven't covered either of the benches, but I mean, so Stephen Sykes is on the bench for the Springboks. Right? I, I, I didn't I, remember him having a Springbok I, career. So he doesn't. Oh, was that his only He's game? He's uncapped. He does not get off oh the bench. Oh my God. And he never played another test. That is an insult when the scoreline's that big. Yep, the scoreline is that big. It's a dead rubber anyway. And you don't get on for what would have been your only cap. I've just clocked Pierre Spies came on on the wing as well. Pierre Spies came on the wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on for Ndangani. Wow. And J- Jethro Deathcamp, go for a stain camp, of course, uh, was on the bench as well. Ruan Pinar covering yeah, both, both halfbacks. Teams- Went with a full front row on the bench after what happened the previous week. Yes. Uh, well, the Lions went with five forwards, but not a full front row. They, but they did have. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I saw A. Jones. Big John Hayes on the bench. Yes. Which, which is the heroic thing. Yeah, baffles me because covering this is just the highlights. I basically forgot John Hayes went on this Lions tour. He got called up. He got yeah, called up. Yeah, and yeah, he made it into the test team. Got a cap. And yeah. Uh, the Lions also put James Hook on the bench to cover the whole backs, and he didn't get on. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to that. We'll yeah. come on to that. Should we go into the game? Let's. Given we are 23 minutes into this podcast, or, or thereabouts. So, the very first thing that happens in this game is Fora de Priya and Martin Williams have a being a little shit contest. When uh, Fora de Priya wins a, je- a breakdown turnover, and then Martin Williams just rips it off him and boots the ball downfield just to be a pest. Yeah. And gets away with it. Yeah, of course yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was completely illegal. He was on his knees, right? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Fora de turnover was outstanding. <laughs> it was incredible. And then Martin Williams just goes, no, you don't have to go to those lengths, mate. That, just, just do this. There's this, is, this was absolutely glorious for me to watch back because there are so many classic nugget moments. Mm. Um, <sighs> because, you know, whereas with most players... Like the the joy of watching Shane Williams, who also came in for this game, is seeing him yeah. do the side steps. The joy of watching even like you know Sam Warburton or David Pocock figure is watching them kind of like withstand everything and win the turnover and come up. With sure, the ball, yeah. Right. The joy of watching Martin Williams back is going back for a third replay and was like, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, there's nothing legal about that. Just yeah. the referee couldn't see him. I especially love that in terms of shithousery. One mm. of them getting a breakdown turnover and the other one doing a kick downfield. Martin Williams and Florida yes. Priya have completely reversed their roles there. Yes, they've swapped round there. And it's such an annoying kick because he just puts it right into the middle behind where the cover is. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like a... It's a kick that's really... Yeah, it's like Ramiel Geisen type tactic. Sure. It's great. Yeah. And then, of course, after this... Uh, also, yes to Ramil Geisen. More mentions of him, please. Uh, after this, Zane Kirshner picks up the ball for his first touch of international rugby and gets absolutely decked by Simon Shaw. I mean, he's not the first or last no. to receive that. Of course. But, yeah, the Springboks thump it down long and we get a second nugget moment in quick succession 
as instead of Shane, he is the one to do the sidestep and make the break. Man, the, the, this piece of handling from the Lions is just glorious. Mm. And it's one of those where you don't really know what each pass is achieving, but it all looks nice, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they knit it together really nicely, and it's it's all very improvised and just very pretty. And they managed to get sort of 30, 40 metres downfield before they eventually win a penalty. Stephen Jones goes for goal and misses. But it's one of those where you suddenly have a good feeling about how yeah. the rest of the game's going to go that it doesn't feel like the Springboks are about to completely dominate the Lions. And I know it's one minute's worth of play. Also, but... doesn't those first kind of five, ten minutes don't feel like the second test, where it felt like this is a team having a great spell. You know, yeah. it's like, it's the difference between being on great form and being a great player, yeah. right? Like, that first 10, 20 minutes of the Lions in the second test felt like a team on form. Yeah. Whereas it felt like just a good team who were on top of the absolutely, opposition. absolutely. Like, you felt like obviously oh, this is just the best They looked team. high on confidence, which was great. After yeah, yeah. The, the weeks they've been through, they looked like they were really enjoying themselves. But There's... there was a proper attitude of like, okay, we're going to do this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We owe this to ourselves, you know. Yeah. Um, there's uh what i loved was the lines knitted together this really nice passage of play and then mike phillips thinks yes i'm gonna go for a snipe ryan gankowski just picks him up and takes him back about five yards and puts him on his yeah. backside and i just think yep yeah, i love that like like i i laughed out loud at that and just thought yes gankowski that is what we like to see mike phillips i mean spoilers okay mike phillips ends up playing the position that isn't scrum half in the second half right he, but he spends most of the first half also playing in a position that isn't scrum half. Yeah, sure, sure. I think um, he actually plays better um, when he's not playing scrum half. I think so. Uh, this Mike felt this is like a peak Mike Phillips picking and going to show that he's big and hard and likes the yeah. snipes game. Do you remember you know, rather than actually being a good scrum half? When when Wales toured New Zealand ages ago, it was Tavis mm. Noyle's Test debut. They moved yes. Mike Phillips to the centre as well. Mm. And he spent the whole time just trying to push Tavis out the way and do all the passes himself. It was like properly out the school mm. of Khan Fotowalii when he wasn't playing nine. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It became a you suddenly want to play scrum off now that you're not yeah. scrum off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas he'd been standing off at 10 and playing 12 and smashing the ball up when he was yeah. playing at nine. Yeah, I said, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When uh, Khan Fotowalii, because so, for the Ospreys, um, mm. he played nine, 10, 12 and wing. Yeah. Uh, he might have even got five minutes at fullback at some point. But basically, field, when yeah, when he wasn't playing at scrum half, he would suddenly mm. come in and put in like pinpoint box kicks and everything, which he would yeah. do when he was playing nine anyway. But he would drop so much more to the backfield when he did have nine on his back. Uh, mm. And it was, you know, it's probably out of the comfortable school of, of being a dominant scrum half and nobody can tell you otherwise. Whereas the Lions spend a lot of time in this game with Shane Williams playing nine, right? Yeah. And it's one of the commonly talked about things about Shane Williams is that he could play scrum half as yeah. well. People bring up all the time, 2003 World Cup, where it took him because he would he could cover several positions because he was going as a third choice scrum half, right? Shane Williams is a terrible scrum half. <laughs> well, the thing is, because I have no doubt that if he was actually mm. starting at scrum half, he would be a yes. load better. But when he has those touches, especially to say he has a very good game here spoilers yeah he suddenly has this thing of i'm completely on top of the world i'm going to draw in absolutely everybody with my scrum halfery and do like six sidesteps before i pass the ball rather than just let's just pass it from the base why don't i exactly i don't think he does a single pass from the base and the benefit of having a second scrum half on your team is that someone can come and w- come in and whip it yeah, away quickly yeah. right like it's not if that he was doing that instead in... of luke fitzgerald last week it would have yes. gone a lot better yes but instead we end up in a situation where 
Shane is picking up the ball constantly. And there's one passage where Phillips is on the ground. And he does it like three times in a row. Yeah. He picks the ball up, runs sideways and throws it to someone, right? Sometimes it point, really works. Is, Sometimes it just does not. Most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. Most of the time he just eats up whoever he's passing to's time and space. Yeah. And I know what he's going for, right? And I've, I have played touch with a lot of people who think that is automatically good if you're, you know, yeah. that you've got to fix someone every time. Sometimes you just need to give the early ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shane has no understanding of that when he's playing nine. Sure. He's a far better tenor than he's nine. nine. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, he has no, a moment in this half game where he slips in at ten. Oh. And he makes it as a great... We'll so he slips there. in at ten and he, he puts in a little chip in through. Mm, and it's, it's, fluty, it's yeah. superb. Yeah. There's the other one I was thinking of. And we might as well skip to it. When mm. he steps in at 10 and he calls for Tommy Bow to run a certain line off him. And mm. Shane then does a little sidestep and takes about three people out of the game. Passes the ball perfectly to Bow. And Bow does this brilliant no-look blind pop yes. on his outside to Rob Carney. And you don't even notice Shane Williams getting back in the frame. But yeah. Carney, with about two inches away from the touchline, just lifts the ball back again for Shane Williams to, to tr- you know tiptoe his yeah, way up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, oh, it's glorious. Shane then tries this goal face chip kick like the Lloyd Williams one in 2015 <laughs> yeah um and there's sadly no one chasing and there's, there's absolutely I know that, no one chasing I know that it. Shane I don't know why he does it no but it's so good and if somebody was chasing it how good would it, it looks be? great but no one's chasing it yeah 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 but if you threw the the best and most accurate pass in the world but there was no winger out there sure it's not a great pass yeah 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 but no, Shane's glorious and Shane, Shane is a great first receiver you know like he's an yeah, amazing yeah. playmaker and as he was, you know, throughout this game. There's a point, so speaking of the early stuff that happened in this game, where Stain goes for a bit of a cross kick, Jongi Nokwe gets his, like, manages really well to tow it on. And then Rob Carney, man, covers like Where, 50 yards from? to somehow get into shot. From? And I, I, he is superhuman in this test series, man. And then he suddenly just thinks, okay, well, you know, I've covered enough ground as it is. Why don't what? I just beat the entire South African back line as well and so, run 50 yards? Yeah, when Nokwe... Chins it, no, not chins it off. Yeah, yeah, when he, yeah. Uh, when Knockway downs a pie and then just headbutts the ball, you know, when he, he toes it on, you get quite a wide shot, right? And you can see most of the, like, half of the field covered. And you're kind of thinking, well, somehow he doesn't score this because I know, yeah, you know, yeah, I, know yeah. South Africa, I remember South Africa didn't score a try in this game. Yeah, me too, yeah. But I couldn't see how it was going to happen. Yeah. Then Rob Carney just materialized onto the ball. Like he just sort of appeared. Like somebody had somebody was hands. under the grass, like Ruckley, and had mm. a build your own Rob Carney kit under there. Yes, and then they they used that, glued them together. You know, put his little hands on his uh, his 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 hands, um, which he uses to catch the ball. And uh, they have a stick, a special stick on material, which means that the ball can never ever be dropped. And then, oh, Rob Carney's been made. Oh wait, he's made a break downfield. Oh my god, he's been given really fast wheels. <laughs> There's accidentally sixteen Rob Carneys. On the field now. Yeah. The people that make 12s won't be happy. No. But they can put out an entire team of Rob Carney's. That's easy to market. Yeah. And hey. Team Lomu can play against Ro- them. Rob Carney, is... he did that 50-22 that one time. So clearly the new the new laws are very much in his favour. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Carney, unbelievable, comes out of nowhere. Lions make, yeah, lovely breakup field. And they continue just putting pressure on all the way through. There's one point around this time as well where um, Shane Williams is the only person clearing out of Ruck on the wing. Uh, and Zane Kirshner goes in to try and um, clear him out, right? And it's only Shane Williams. Kirshner is a physically bigger man than Williams, right? Should at least make an impact. Instead, he slips over and doesn't, like, just doesn't make an impact whatsoever because he kind of basically tries to ruck with, like, the core of his back 
like instead of his shoulders or his arms or anything that yeah. you can apply force with. It's quite impressive. It's quite yeah. impressive. Yeah. So yes, so things build, the Lions start to get on the field, they kick a penalty, uh, they take a early lead. Yeah, Phil Vickery wins the scrum penalty. Yes. Yeah, so the Lions start to get on top of the scrum as well. And you suddenly start to think, should we have picked Andrew Sheridan in the first place? <laughs> No, because of Geffen. Yeah. Next question. But no, Sheridan was very, very good at scrum time. Mm. Um, and like it's easy to forget because obviously the Southern team changes a lot. But they were still scrummaging against the Beast and John Smith. Like It was still yeah, the same yeah, yeah. props. So clearly Phil Vickery is... I don't know the first thing about scrummaging. But clearly Phil Vickery has gone away and studied you know, what he did wrong. Yes. And actually improved it rather than just luck of the draw, you know. And managed and to get know- Stuart Dickinson on his side. You know what Adam Jones is like as a character as well, you know? Yeah. And he is... Adam Jones is the man who desperately loves scrummaging. Yeah. And if you ever listen to him talk about scrummaging, it it is impenetrable if you've never yeah. been in one, you know? Because he just really understands the thing as like a technical art yeah, form. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, they point out Chilliboy Rallapelle at Hooker as being the guy that pops up and the guy that contacts pressure. But I don't know what happens. No, know? no, That's no. Just what the but either about. way, like, it's a significant difference because Vickery didn't have a leg to stand on in the first test, you know? Um, yeah. And to actively well, win... Well, neither did Geffen Jenkins. He's got no body parts. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. To stand on or do other things with. Yes. Um, there's then a point in commentary where um, Miles Harrison says uh, Mornay Stain is... He's already a hero for 12 years. Like that word already. Ooh. That word already. Oh, 24. Yeah. So most of my notes around this period are just nugget T.O., just turnovers by Martin mm. Williams, because uh, he keeps making a lot of them. There's a mad moment when the scores are left for the free-all, um, and Olivier gives a really nice little pop ball to Undangani, who hits a good line, yeah, and it he looks does. like he's in. Yeah. And you think... Oh, he's going to, you know, he's you quick, would think live he's going to score this. Yeah, he's, he's very quick. quick. He's broken the line. He's through. He's quite strong. And somehow yeah. he then falls over. And watching it first time, I wondered whether he dived for the line early. He'd mistaken the five meter line for the try line. Uh, but he doesn't. It's Matthew Reese gets an incredible ankle what tackle. What a tackle that is. Yeah. Honestly, like, because uh, Matthew Reese doesn't necessarily have a head start on him either. Like, no. he has a decent angle on him and he does come across and... But it's incredible for Matthew Reese, a hooker who's not known for his pace whatsoever. Mm. Like, he is known for being a big hard bastard. To take down a winger as quick as Undungani, like, that is seriously yeah. impressive. It's a very, very good angle tap. Uh, Reese then goes into the ruck himself, right? Ball is secured by South Africa. It all looks fine. And somehow it appears on the lion's side. Somehow out of nowhere, Mike Phillips' box kick on clears. I went back and watched this repeatedly because I couldn't work out what happens in that change. You know, how does the ball end up on the Lions? I side? feel like I've already because worked it out from your description because it's it's Matthew Reese and Paul O'Connell have gone in, and the ball looks you know it's a contestable ruck, but it's kind of secure on the South African side, and that's because you can't see on the first angle, but they show a replay from a wide angle where you can see Martin Williams running from far out. Uh, Martin Williams slides into the ruck on his knees and launches the ball back. Um, so he goes in <laughs> the on old the side, year six on his disco knees. turnover. <laughs> yes. No one can see, like you can't see him from the camera angle. Never mind the referee able to spot him because he suddenly looks like he's a body lying at the bottom of the ruck. But instead he just slipped the ball back onto the lion's side. I can literally picture And he gets away with it. Martin Williams wearing sunglasses and listening to status quo while he got that turnover. <laughs> he did, absolutely. On a Walkman. <laughs> um, yeah, so the lion's clear into touch. They survive there. 
There's a point here where I have written down, lines make break off Shane Williams trying too hard. I can't remember what yes. that's in reference to. but There's quite a few moments of that. Yeah. Because uh, Shane Williams is still trying way oh, too hard. yes, where he tries a really speculative offload and it comes backwards off a South African player and then uh, Joe oh, yeah, Worthy yeah, yeah, just yeah. picks it up and she goes, all right, try line, yeah? Yeah. Offloads to Paul O'Connell. They run in field. I think they kick three points off the back of that. Yeah, maybe. Um, and... Yeah, things remain fairly level. It remains free all around this time. And then, and then, there having been a few Lions chances that haven't come to anything, one of the South African players tackles Jamie Heaslip, then forgets, just forgets rugby, just forgets about everything. And Heaslip gets back up and says, all right, keeps going. And who should be on his shoulder but Shane Williams? There's, um, the offload, goes the there's a very, very important detail you're forgetting here. And that is uh, the detail of Simon Shaw. Yes. Uh, so as soon as he slips yes. on the floor, I think Shaw realises he's about to get to his feet. And so yeah. Simon Shaw stretches his arms around and like, nope, coming through, coming through. And acts <laughs> as a bodyguard and completely obstructs every South African who could potentially come anywhere near Jamie Heaslip and just opens up a perfect corridor for him to get through and get that offload into Shane. Honestly, I really hope Shane bought Simon Shaw a pint that night. It is classic second row shit, isn't it? It is so obvious, that block. Yeah, And that would yeah, totally yeah, yeah. get disallowed now. Oh yeah, nowadays it would be, absolutely. But the thing is, they talk about a forward pass. And so I've got all appeal for forward pass. Forward that is pass. not the offence there. That is not the thing pass. you should be... But it's it... picking your battles, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. like, the... that's not the thing you complain about. The pass definitely wasn't forward. But my God, Simon no. Shaw got away with a lot of obstruction there. And hey, you know, it is probably down to the fact that he knew back then he wasn't going to get penalised. Exactly. Him. And it looks enough like it's about to be a ruck that he knows he can get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like he knows he knows how to make it look like it's legal when it is totally illegal and he yeah, knows yeah. what he's doing. That is the benefit of having a 62-year-old second row in your team. Yes. He's got 62 years of tricks. Yeah, exactly. Mischief. So yeah, Shane Williams scores a try and he's also, he scores it under the posts, which means really easy conversion. Really easy conversion. Really simple, should be straightforward conversion. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Um, so Jones. the ball falls off the tee. And Stephen Jones, well, I mean, so Olivier charges up firstly. The ball then falls off the tee. Uh, Stephen Jones has a moment of looking at Olivier. He then picks it up and tries to drop kick it. Off his wrong Frankly, foot. Frankly, off his wrong foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of people at the time saying, you know, how Stephen Jones should have been brought off for that. Or Stephen Jones, you know, mostly Irish fans who wanted to go in the team. I think. Right, okay. But a lot of people criticising Stephen Jones for that, right? I don't think any fly half could have done better than that. <laughs> wasn't easy was it like the ball falls no. off the tee and don't get me wrong there's every chance that one of us is still going to give him dick of the day for it because that's that's the way the cookie crumbles you know sure but being forced onto your wrong foot with like two really really quick men who are also massive in your face to yeah. block it literally inches away you're probably not getting the kick uh, well, it's not a drop every... offense it's still a, d- a dickish moment but if he had nailed it and he was very close to doing so right like I, again, every fly half has missed kicks, right? Not many fly halves have missed conversions where they've had to sidestep someone in the process of actually yeah. taking their run up. Whilst playing for the Lions as well. <laughs> yeah, whilst playing one of the biggest games of your life. Yeah. Stephen Jones did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my favorite thing about that is he has to sidestep two people just in order to get yeah, the kick yeah, away. Yeah. And Stephen Jones is not a man known for sidestepping. No, no. I mean, he looks like he's carrying a fridge on his back at all times. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they miss uh, only the yes. five points for that try. So Shane, why did you even run under the post? You should have run to the corner, mate. You know. Oh. Then uh, 
Next, Ngarni makes another break and then throws the ball away mm. for no reason. That's pretty fun. Phil Vickery wins another scrum penalty. Good lad. Well, you're missing four your Prius pass before that. Oh my God, how right. unbelievably good is that? I've seen... I, 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 Again, Foy Priya, every time I've watched him back on either of these two series of this podcast, reminds me that he's one of the better players of all time. He's and timeless, I can't get man. Away from that. Uh, I've, he I've is probably, unbelievable. I probably made this exact observation at some point before. I can't remember. Genuinely, my data bank of how much I have spoken about how good Foy Priya is uh, mm. is endless. Uh, and there's so much stuff in there that I can't remember when I've said what. But I just think I, he's a scrum half who will never go out of date because his kicking game not, is, yeah. uh, organization was so good. Yeah, I did not appreciate him for what he was at the time. No. Partly because I was, you know, 14 and I liked. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Richie Reese whips the ball away really Yeah, fast. yeah, yeah. I was like, um, oh yeah, I like Dwayne Peel because he snipes. Yeah, Which exactly. is, you know, like that's the sort of observation Sean Holly makes on Premier Sports now, you know. That's that's the kind of calibre I was at when I was 12. Uh, how old? Yeah, I was 12 at this point. Uh, whereas Foy Dupree, watching back now, you're going, oh, he is unbelievable. He yeah. is he is as good as any rugby player has ever been. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and he makes this phenomenal quick hands pass off a scrum. Under a load of pressure. Him. A pops to him. Uh, Monia shoots in on him like he's going to nail him. Kankowski doesn't give him the most sympathetic like pass either. flips it along. Oh, no, 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 no. But he turns it as well into a perfectly weighted ball for a yeah. knockaway to run onto. <laughs> or Undergarni, Undergarni. Yeah, it's unreal, man. Yeah, and Undergarni kind of like runs out of room and time and space and luck yeah. and chips and everything else. Not crisps, though. Not crisps. He stopped no, 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 the no. Game. Yeah. Uh, that's why he is at the team, of course. It's why Ross Ford's on the bench, because yeah. they needed someone to just sell crisps full time. Yeah, game. exactly. Yeah. Lee Mears were just running up to the stands and just saying, hey, lads, do you want crisps? To Lions fans as a way of thanking them for the support. And they were all saying, yes, please. And then, you know, they'd have to offer them in 11 um, oh, Yeah, yeah. no, it was a conv- I wonder what, I don't yeah. know what conversion rate it was at the time. No, not sure. Um, but he was doing it. He he localized the local currency. Which yeah, really yeah, good, good business. Tour, that you know, it's really smart. Because yeah, yeah. Like sometimes he's been really stubborn. Like there was that time, uh, Bath plays Stad in an away game. Mm, of course. And you know, again, you had Dmitry Zazewski was trying to buy crisps off him mid scrum as well. Mid, it was when the scrum was reset. The scrum was resetting. Yeah, like, can I have some crisps, please. And um, and he went short. Sure, you know, what do you want? And he said, Well, what have you got? He said, oh, I've got you know a pack of watsits on me right now. Because uh, he always definitely had a scrub that was like a big, yeah, big feature yeah. of Lee game. Yeah. Um, and so he then went, cool, that'll be 11p for, you know, a, a what's it. Um, since we're scrummaging against each other right now, you know, I'll sell you free for 30p, which is a really, really good bargain yeah, for yeah. Lee Especially because uh, yeah. this is um, this is a good bit of advice for all props mm. who are listening to this, mm. you know, because, uh, you know, as, as I've stressed, you know, we're both probably experts when it comes to scrums, I would, I would yes. say. Um, yes. If you eat while scrummaging that makes you heavier because you've got more weight in your system therefore yeah. makes you stronger and better at scrums yes uh but you also it's like a really risky thing because if you eat like a full steak you know the you, you put on too much weight and you become like solid like a statue and you can't yeah move. yeah yeah so actually free crisps is recommended by science mm. as the the best thing to eat uh so lee me knew this uh and he said to him you know i will offer you free crisps for 30p and so Lesky went that's incredible i can't believe giving me a discount uh however i am in france we use euros now and he could not give him pounds he couldn't get to, you know they were midway through playing a rugby match he wasn't getting to bureau de exchange you know he wasn't gonna change his money now why would he as well he wouldn't have to no uh and so Lee as went well tough you know only taking yeah these offers in pounds 
Uh, and this was, you know, back before you had kind of online banking to do it easily. Yeah. You couldn't really do it that yeah, simply. Yeah. You had to go to like, you know, the post office or to, you know, a bureau exchange. Yeah, or a, or a dodgy guy in a side street, you know. Or a dodgy guy in a side street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I still do that. but And do you? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, you should maybe stop doing that. Why? Because you can do it. I want to um, get euros, which is, bro. Which is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I what if I want to spend my euros in Nottingham? I would recommend uh, going to to Marks and Spencers. Okay. Um, and in fact, his name is Chris. Mark, and just the other guy is called Spencer. Oh, really? Yeah. You have two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have two guys. So you, so you. Uh, well, one of them in. takes my money, and the other one gives me the euros. So what? So what do you do with your euros when you get them? Um, I just, do you, uh, do you, I, do you just, just you know, snort them? No, don't snort the euros. <laughs> I do. Why would you do that? Have you ever snorted a euro? No. Oh man, you should do yen. Yen is my favorite thing, my favorite currency to snort. Why, um, why have you snorted euros so, and yen? So we didn't get through the, the story, right? So Liam is obviously really bad, like really not. Obviously, a lot of fallout following this. Oh, the God, fact yeah, that he didn't sell the crisps to Dmitry Sardesky. Yeah. And so, uh, after the game, Sardesky comes out and says, well, we would have won it, but for that moment where Lee Mears didn't sell yeah, his crisps yeah. and they won the scrum against the head, and it was a huge turning point in the game. And Lee Mears said, well, I don't have to. You know, it's my business. I can yeah, choose yeah. to trade however I want. Yeah. You know? And I was in official capacity as a rugby player, so I shouldn't really have been selling crisps anyway. And I think he was trying to catch me off guard, and it was all, you know, all very sneaky mind games, underhand tactics type stuff. Yeah. But then in-stepped World Rugby, mm. right? Because what they had done when they saw this game, right, they saw afterwards, Sardesky reached the end of the game, he was gutted about losing, but he did think, well, you know what? I'm still hungry. I still want those crisps. So he went and paid Mears in you know, the foot free pick. Yeah, yeah. And Mears gave him the crisps and he ate the crisps. And they sat together and they ate crisps together and Lee Mears had three yeah. of his own crisps and, you know, three watts hits, six. So that's the spirit of rugby as well. You know? It was, exactly. Exactly. So World Rugby tweeted, this is great rugby values. No other sport has all the players come together and eat six crisps, three each after the game. And everyone went, wow, this is incredible. In no other sport do men sit together and eat. And so they tweeted that and, you know, and that kind of went huge and viral and everyone, everyone loved the fact that people come together and eating crisps. Do you remember the one where Lee Mears tweeted saying like, oh, he's having kettle chips and I'm having walkers and we're still best friends. It was it was moving, wasn't it? It was moving. Real, real, really summed up uh, rugby's class issues right there by yeah, putting cut chips. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So but then obviously in the week following that, there was a huge Twitter storm when it came out. They actually refused to sell them on the pitch. Mm. Um, so World Rugby stepped in. They said they'll ban Lee Mears for. Um, I should check this properly. Hold on. Um, uh, you can cut this out afterwards if you want. Yeah, that's uh, fine. Lee Mears crisps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I probably won't. But so. Yeah, so they, they, they threatened to ban him for um, eight to 826 weeks. Okay, yeah. Um, if he didn't, you know, if he didn't start selling them in different flavours. And mm-hmm. Lee Mears went, well, I'll take the eight-week ban because I've got loads of crisp business. I've got to go to CrispCon. Yeah. So he was actually banned. They actually had the ban reduced due to the snacks, the hearing being really, really good because yeah. he brought all his own crisps. And he provided them for free for the jewellery, so they're there completely free. Didn't get banned at all, but he was still found guilty and so on. But then come the Lions tour, Lee Mears went, well, what is the Lions truly about, right? And especially this game, this third test, was all about refining pride in the Lions jersey. And he thought, you know, what the Lions is really, really about is rugby values. And what more is rugby values than being dropped for this game, but still going and providing crisps in any currency anyone wants? 
right? So he wasn't just accepting rand, he wasn't just accepting pounds, he was accepting crisp offers in yen, in euros, in whatever currency you wanted to select, Lee Mears would have sold you crisps on this day and this day only, because it was a day for real, true rugby values. What an inspiring and moving story that was. And I know. It, it, what a it true me, story that is. It leaves is. me with two questions, actually. So the first, mm. the first of those two questions is, I wonder yes. which uh, would give you more of a layoff. The top end of a band for incorrectly selling crisps on the field yes. or max injuries? Um, max injuries. Okay. Because you'd be dead. Yeah. Uh, my second question is, why the fuck were you snorting yen? <laughs> so, look... Okay, I actually think, uh, you didn't go to Japan, obviously, for the World Cup. No, no. Um, I'm sure lots of our listeners did. I'm sure we've got some listeners. Oh, because Yen's the currency in Japan. Japan. It makes sense now. Exactly. That's why you were snorting Yen. It's a cultural thing. Because you went to Japan and Yen is the currency there. So why would you snort Euros over there? Because Yen is the currency. It makes sense to me now. Thank you. Exactly exactly where i was going with that thank you very much That's okay, uh, thank you for getting to the bottom of that should we do I'm a handshake really, over zoom really glad we did yeah 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 true rugby values right yeah. now. true rugby values being epitomized yeah. and typified on this very podcast yeah hello i'm boris johnson prime minister of the united drive States. for the line lions i hate that man uh should we move on to more rugby yeah sure um, so uh shane williams scores another try <laughs> yeah Ricky Floaty does like this really nice chip ahead on an overlap mm. after a turnover from I think Martin Williams, <laughs> and then the ball bounces really horribly for Ricky Floaty, and also yeah. for I think it's Zane Kirshner, maybe under Garney covering yeah, Zane on the wing, and Ricky Floaty just pulls out this insane moment of magic where and you've probably all seen it so he flicks the ball he uses both of his hands but it's in yes. one motion so they both connect with the ball at the same time and land the ball not it's... quite perfectly into Shane Williams's hands but close enough that he can pick it up one-handed it's it's like he's cupping up water in his hands to drink it like a cat yeah sure uh, and usually that's what Forward Priya does is the cat-like feline player on yes. his pitch uh, but clearly for uh, Ricky Flutie has taken that mantle from him uh, momentarily. <laughs> in every rugby match, there is one player who is a cat. Yes. And it's up the to nominated the audience cat. to spot who it is. Yes. It's up to the audience at home to try and guess who it is on Twitter it's like, and say, you s- hey, this guy's a cat. It was really obvious in uh, Uruguay's games in the last World Cup. Yes. It's, like, so- well, it's, it's number 13, isn't it? It's, yeah, number 13. It's never been Masaki Doge, but... <laughs> no. Uh... It's like we spoke before on this podcast about um, Muggle Quidditch, you know. That there's a yes. nominated um, snitch. snitch. Uh, yeah. You have a nominated like cat on prison. the field. Yeah. yeah. So the last couple of things on this half, Shane Williams makes a break from his own 22, where mm. he looks like he's completely boxed in and then just runs like nearly the length. Uh, and that's fun. Off the back of that, Stephen Jones tries a chip for Tommy Bow, and you think, oh, they nearly put the yes. game to bed there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last thing in this half, Simon Shaw needlessly dropping his knees on Forrest to Priya and getting yeah. a yellow card, rightly so. And it's a uh, look, I I understand Simon Shaw's argument that he's running at full pace and he is a man who stops slowly because he's fifty six. Yeah. But he does drop his knees into Forrest yeah, to Priya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely knows what he's doing. Like yeah. sometimes he's a set like 
Simon Shaw is the most calculated player you can imagine. Like, there is literally no other player that's ever played rugby that I would be more certain has done that on purpose. Maybe yes. Backy's Bolter, actually, come to think of it. No, Backy's but... Bolter, yeah, yeah. Backy's Bolter was nasty. Simon Shaw, again, just loved doing second row shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's why, like, I'm so excited about Darcy Swain, the young mm, Australian. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he is exactly that. He is the Simon... He's like... Simon Shaw type players come around so rarely. Yeah. Because most people play rugby because they like to have fun. Yeah. And, you know, Simon Shaw... It's second row summer. Like being you know? violent, you know. Yeah. Simon Shaw, Darcy Swain. You know, there's plenty more of those players along the... But, you know, they're one of my favourite breed of players. is players that love doing second but row it's like, I totally believe that it's hard for Simon Shaw to slam on the brakes. But I also yes. totally believe he saw the opposition nine horizontally on the floor and thought yes this is a perfect opportunity (laughs) finally my time yeah uh so you know he gets the yellow card and very rightly so yellow card yeah i can spake in this situation i can south africa then get close to scoring immediately following that but the lions do manage to survive just about they should have another yellow card because oh, yeah, Kankoski yeah, yeah. goes quickly so a... and Andrew Sheridan just tackles him without retreating yeah, one. So there's a penalty at Maul. Uh, yeah, they tap it quickly. And yeah, as you say, like, <laughs> just tackles him where he is. Sheridan should have been in the bin. Inside um, his own 22 as well. Like, it's as clear as day professional foul. Uh, and, like, Stuart Dickinson acknowledges it and just doesn't send him off. Yeah. He just says, oh, I've just given you a yellow card and not, you know, yeah. I can't speak right now, but I'll get my voice back. Like, there's a lot of... Franz, questionable, uh, a lot of questionable calls go in the Lions' favour in this game. I don't think in like a bias, not kind in a biased kind of way. I think and the Lions still, like, would still have won the game and so on. But there's a lot of like bizarre calls and like eighty percent of them fall on the Lions' side. Yeah, yeah. But that's... I think it's more weird refereeing than you know biased or unbalanced. So straight after this, right? So after yes. goes the line out, there's a mall. Yeah, and. Uh, Johan Muller, who is playing second row for the Springboks, mm-hmm. is clearly taken in the air while he's jumping. And the referee, so John Schmidt brings this up with the referee, says, you know, yeah. surely, you know, you should be maybe looking at foul play over there. He clearly took his man in the air. And um, Stuart Dickinson says, no, it was an early jump, so therefore I'm just going to call that play on because that's an offence either way. And it's like, but it's foul play. <laughs> he takes him in the air. Like, do you remember um, this summer, USA played England mm. and... Mm. Uh, the USA yes. got a red card, and Bryce yes. Campbell, uh, after a, a clear high tackle, clearly dropped his shoulder into the man. Bryce Campbell, the USA captain, said to the referee, no, but sir, it was a forward pass, and therefore that's why he was in the position where he could goal, elbow, no, shoulder him in the head. It's like, no, it's like the forward pass isn't a part of this. A foul play completely overalls technical every time. Yeah. That's what the referee should have said, rather than saying, oh, you shouldn't jump so early if you don't want to get taken in the air. It's a stupid bit of logic by Stuart Dickinson. The but, Springboks very clearly <laughs> should have had a penalty there as well, and maybe even the yellow yeah. card. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's rug, the the way rugby's refereed has come a long way in the last ten years, yeah. and I don't entirely like all of it. No, but, um, the game is refereed in a way that now, weirdly, people have got less to complain about on Twitter. But people complain about it more on Twitter because referees are far more accurate these days. Sure. Whereas they used to referee on vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot. And Stuart Dickinson is refereeing hard on vibes. Yeah. And you know, at least it's not Burdos. To tease it a bit, right? When we come to eighty-seven, um, which is where we're heading next, yeah. there'll be a lot more refereeing on vibes. Yeah, Derek Bevan ref the final, bro. That's what we're in for. <laughs> so yeah, so the Springboks don't score, 
They're really unlucky yeah, not to. They do they get, get a penalty, very, very close. and it's 15-6, yeah. uh, not the trial of Carl. Yeah, so the Lions, six, but... the Lions clear it, and they then kick a penalty from far further out after yeah. they turn it back. Uh, the Lions really trying to run the clock down and kick it out for full time, then Carney misses touch anyway. Yeah. And Springbok's running back, kick a penalty, yeah, goes that, in 15 think That time. is a quite dick of the day-ish moment by Carney, isn't it? Yeah. But we'll, we'll think about that later on. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, halftime, 15-6 to the Lions, a healthy lead. Um, mm-hmm. They come back out. And straight away, the Lions are on the attack again. Uh, they start the second half very much the same way that they start the first. Um, Jamie yeah. Heaslip throws this delightful offload to Tommy Bow, who's running like a perfect line. Nearly yeah. makes it to the posts, but I think he gets ankle tapped or something like that. Maybe a sniper took him out. Stephen Jones dummies a drop goal, which was fun and unexpected. Mm. And then Heinrich Brasso just ruins all the fun by getting a turnover because that's what he does. He's no fun, is he? He ruins everyone's day. Very good again in this game. Uh, I, I've spoken yeah. a lot in these last two episodes about how good Heinrich Brousseau is. Yeah. But he plays very well for the box in this game when it wasn't their finest day. Two fun things happen around this time, right? Well, I, you know, depending on perspective, fun. One is the Lions are forced to making two changes. Joe Worsley, who'd come off, comes back on, comes back off, you know, is eventually finally replaced by Tom Croft in order to fit the, you know, kind of English vanker quota. But also... Matthew Reese, right? There's a point in the first half where Matthew Reese can barely stand up. Like, he's very clearly very, very concussed. And he's pushing the doctor away from him. Mm-hmm. who's trying to come over and do a HIA equivalent with him. And he's like, no, 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 go away, go away. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'll play on. And he can barely stand. Like, he's swaying as he's trying to stand on the spot. He does not look well at all. There's no way he'd be allowed to play on these days. Uh, but they let him play on for about another 20-odd minutes. He then eventually is brought off. And on comes Ross Ford to give Scotland its first representation in the Test Series. Yeah. Uh, Ross Ford, he doesn't do much. But, no, you know. He pulls a funny face at one point. He pulls like, a, like he raises an eyebrow and it's fun. Yeah. He certainly doesn't sound any crisps. We've spoken enough about crisps for the time being. But, you know, Ross Ford, all power to him. Ross Ford. Test match Ross Lion. Ford and his, what, 117 caps, one of them for the Lions. Yeah, boy. So, not long after... Hold on, Go on. hold on, hold on. Do you want to hear uh, Ross Ford's profile on... Tinder, uh, ESPN yes. Scrum. Oh, yes, on Tinder. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to read you the first sentence, and I think it explains why Scotland continued picking Ross Ford until about two years ago. Does it say, Ross Ford is the only hooker to ever play for Scotland? <laughs> it says, Ross Ford is one of the brightest young talents in Scottish rugby. Ah, he's been editing that himself, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's trying to get back in the team. 
He's not happy with George Turner's fault. Wait a second. Wait a second. He definitely has. It said ahead of the 2012 Six Nations, Ford was appointed Scotland captain, a position he will hold for many years to come. He's doing a Matt Carley, isn't he? <laughs> He's just editing his own Wikipedia page. Yeah, it mentions like he was named as like under 16 teams player of the season. It's like if you're going on to play for the Lions, I'd hope you're named your under 16 teams player of the season. My God. Wow, that is that is full blown Matt Carley editing his own Wikipedia. Wait a minute, page. wait a minute. He's played for Scotland Sevens. No. In the Commonwealth Games. No. 2002 in Manchester. Surely not. Like, was it like a specific, like, brand of it where it's like rug you know how you've got like lightweight boxing featherweight boxing whatever is there like mm. rugby sevens but you're only allowed to be this slow yes <laughs> it's a new version yeah because if this so is... i would back him okay there is one point where he says about this lions tour uh he was a controversy that he wasn't selected for the 2009 British and Irish Lions after being excellent and ever present in 2009 Six Nations, but he was called up for the squad following an injury to Ireland's Jerry Flannery. He did not play in the first two tests, but came on as a replacement for Matt Reese, so he's very familiar with him, he knows him well, so therefore I think it is Ross Ford, uh, in the dead rubber match in Johannesburg. Uh, Ford continued to be the first choice number two for Edinburgh and Scotland during 2010 and through to the 2011 World Cup in New Zealand. He wouldn't mention it's a dead rubber match, would he? He'd say it's the one no, game that won. Yeah, yeah. I he played would, most of. He would say I was the only the hooker on the field test. when the Lions won a game. Yeah, he would say it's the most important test in the Friendship World Cup. <laughs> so, hold on. So the Lions' options on this tour are Jerry Flannery, who's always injured now runs a pub, Matthew Reese, uh, who is concussed and can't stand up, uh, Ross Ford, who had a Wikipedia page, and Liam Mizzy's Al Chris. Yeah, that's a great selection of hookers there, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And Maybe Nation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it's a shame Steve Thompson wasn't uh, in contention. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, a perfect next call up, you know. Hugh Bennett eventually became a lion, you know, so. It's very true. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, should we go back to the game? Yes. South Africa perfectly working overlap, and um, think you think, oh yes, they're in at the corner here. Go on, lads! Mm. But then you realise the man carrying the ball is Zane Kirshner. Tommy Bow puts in an incredible Excellent. tackle on him. Very good. Like tackle. this is genuinely like in the top five percent of tackles you will ever see. In fact, top percent because you see a lot of tackles. Yes. Uh, he not only knocks him into touch but dislodges the ball. So he manages to mm. do both jobs in because his collision is that well, hard and technically he hits spot on. Him. He hits him just as Kirshner's trying to transfer the ball into one arm to offload. Yes. And he so he times it perfectly, knocks the ball out of his hand. Yeah. And it hits the Leaves floor. Leaves him off balance. Yeah, Undergarni picks it up, grounds it, and pretends he scored and starts celebrating. Yeah. But I think no one in that stadium is under any illusion that it, ha- yeah. it isn't a knock-on by Kirshner. Yeah. Even before we knew it was Zane Kirshner and could just, you know... You just... you Nowadays, you see Zane Kirshner about to catch the ball and you start saying for the scrub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. About to not catch the ball, you mean. Yes. South Africa then win a scrum penalty uh, in the corner, mm. which you start to think, oh no, could they come back? And they, they do indeed go to the corner. They get a line out five metres out from the British and Irish Lions try line. They attack for a few phases. But um, doesn't result in a Springbok try, does it now? No. So they push on for quite a bit. It feels like they're down in this corner for quite a long time. Yeah. And eventually they think it's time to go wide. Yeah, they pass to... Major dickhead Francis Dane. Mm. Who throws a very wide ball, aiming for Zane Kirshner. Now, this is never a good idea, but on this occasion, it's a particularly 
bad idea, well, is it not? Well, I think it, it turns out pretty fortunately for the Springboks because Zane Kershaw doesn't catch the ball. Like they don't. <laughs> yes. On the plus side, they haven't given the ball to Zane Kirshner. Look, look. Okay, so pros: Zane Kirshner didn't get the ball. Yeah. Cons: We are back under our own power. <laughs> we need to work on how to solve this problem. Ugo Monia takes the ball out of the grasp of Kirshner, intercepts it one-handed. A telescopic. Yes, arm. exactly the words I was going to use. One-handed, transfers it into two, and he just sprints. He goes like the wind. And nothing was going to stop him. You know, Miles Harrison says on commentary, here comes Monya. And he says, Nockway's quick. And then he kind of spots, but he's not quick enough for Monya. He says, Nockway's quick, but I don't think he's that quick. He's pumping the arms. And yeah, Uga Monya dies under the posts. And there's that famous shot of him pumping his arms into the air in celebration. Sean Edwards going mental with uh, Bobby Stridgen yes. on the sidelines, both jumping up. Sean Edwards doing his high knees in celebration. And it's just it's just pure jubilation for the Lions uh, to have that mm. try, to not only resist that period of pressure from the Springboks, but for Ugo Monu to just so perfectly get that one read spot on. And you, yeah. know, you spoke to Ugo Monu about this before. Yes. Um, and so yeah, go I, on. In, yeah, I interviewed Ugo Monu about a year, about this time last year, yeah. uh, when you know the Premiership was really starting. And obviously, you can't talk to Ugo Monu and not bring up you know what is the the high point of his career. You know the the big point of his career when I was interviewing him and asking questions about his career and so on. And so I asked him, um, and he said he's never had anyone else ask him this question. Oh wow! Like what was actually going through his head when he made the decision to come in and go for the intercept? Because I believe I'm right in saying. Monia only scored two intercept, three interception tries in his career. Wow. Right? One, one of them was about two seasons after this, and it was very much played as like, look, it's a redux of his try against South Africa. And he'd only scored one in his career prior to this. So it wasn't a thing he went for regularly. No. It wasn't like a part of his game in the way it was John de Villiers yeah, or Brian Banner yeah, sure. or you know, a lot of other players who really became experts in going for the intercept. Tom Shanklin was another great one. Mm. Would have been on this tour but got injured before the first game. Um, so, you know, here's his mention on this podcast. And yeah, that was not the case for Monia. So it's clearly, it was a real read of his. And so, yeah, so I'm going to, I think now, insert the audio, the clip of Ugo Monia explaining to me his thought process when going for that interception. Do you ever go back to kind of the thought process and taking it? You know, I, it's something that stuck with me that it was apparently the second interception try you scored in your career. Yeah. And the yeah. whole process of like reading it, going through it, sprinting down the field. Do you ever just, just, just think back on, you know, what was going through your head? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sean Edwards was our defensive mm. coach and he was very much wanting his wingers to be very aggressive mm. and get off the line. And, you know, 14 men in that front, in that front line. Um, we were under severe pressure. South Africa had the ball for, for many minutes. Uh, my initial thought was just to get up. They had, they had, an overlap. Hmm. So I wanted to get up and put pressure on who was it? Um, I think it might have been oh, it's the fullback. Oh, was, oh what's his name? Um, was it Zane Kirshner come in? Or was it Zane Kirshner? Yeah. That's it, it was Zane Kirshner. So I wanted to get up, and my first thought was to tackle him man and ball. Hmm. So I put myself in that position and I guess part of it is not just the ability to get up and be in that space, but then to make a decision when you're there. And that's something we'd gone through those processes and that detail and those scenarios many yeah. times. So as I got up into that space, not only did I realise I could take man and ball, I could actually just leave the man and maybe take the ball. 
And that's why I stuck out my right hand. And it's, you know, it's one of those decisions. Had I dropped it, I mean, it's a penalty try, potentially. I think they're three men overlapping. We're definitely going in the bin. But, you know, you, you live and die by your decisions Absolutely. on the rugby pitch. Um, and I backed my ability. And I knew if I caught it, I would score. So, yeah, uh, there's Ugamanyu's thoughts on that. Um, obviously, that's, you know, I, I reflect on that so, so well, because as you said to Ugamanyu in that same mm. interview, I believe, uh, that Ugamanyu kind of became the English player that we as a family really warmed to. Yes. And that was great that that kind of cemented that, that he had the moment where he saved the Lions, you know, that he had his moment of, of pure heroism, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think incredibly iconic try uh, when I was at the Lions Japan game in Murrayfield they were just playing on the big screen and they had Ugamani talking about you know they had him he was there and he brought him out to talk about it and it was it's become such a iconic moment from this tour but also Lions in general yeah. like it is one of those tries that we played back for generations to and come. that's it like you know like in 30 years time we'll be seeing Ugamani's try more than anything else in this tour I think yeah and that's it Other than, alongside that's... Stain's kick those are the two moments you know, that really survived as I say I hate the cliches that surround it but like uh, in a general sense, but this really was so much more than a dead rubber, and it just shows how mm. much that that particular try meant so much more to the Lions than a lot yeah. of tries in winning Test series, you know. Since you know, like yes. I guarantee you'll see much more of that try than you do with Jamie Roberts's winning try in the uh, 2013, um, the, yeah, well, yeah. the final try that the game was already won. Uh, but the tour against Australia, you know, uh, I yeah. guarantee you see so much more of that Monia try than the Roberts one. Or the North one, for example. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just it's a it's also such a pleasing try to watch, and how much Monia is loving every second of it. Everything you know, is so perfectly in. done. You know that is that is just the, the perfect minute for Ugo Monia. You know because yes. that wasn't an easy pass to intercept, and he did that with complete precision. And then to run it in from and that he comes distance, from so far away, yeah. like he's not in shot no. when the pass is thrown. No. He really shoots it, which is how the best interceptions come. Like yeah. As you know, the best interceptions are entirely on diagonals. You know, like you don't, you're not going to score for an intercept if you're coming in straight. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's not. Those days are gone these days. Yeah, they're all taken at diagonal angles, uh, and it's a very, very good one. So yeah, so the the Lions score that puts it at twenty two nine, twenty two six, twenty two six, and you feel like the game is good as one. It's not impossible for South Africa to come back. But the way the way go, the game's going, the way the Lions are feeling, the way they're playing, yeah. it just feels like if South Africa had a scored there, that would have been a different game. Sure. But they didn't. Yeah. And instead, the Lions have come yeah. up with an extra seven points. Yeah. So the score sits at 22-6, which is a really, you know, that's it's a very healthy lead, you know. Um, mm. uh, and then they move Mike Phillips to the centre and Harry Ellis comes on. Yeah. And uh, Phil Vickery throws a backdoor offload, like a cat flap offload. <laughs> More cats? Yes. He's, he is the flap that Voyager Bria goes for. Yes. And the beast goes for, apparently, as well. Harry Ellis, his first touch, he ignores uh, Stephen Jones, who's calling for the ball uh, off the back of a scrum, and instead tries to run at the blind side, where there's about five metres. And he just runs straight up Heinrich Brasso's channel. So, like, how dumb are you? <laughs> Harry Ellis comes on, and A, he looks incredibly young and incredibly small. And you just spend it looking and going like, is this a child who's won a competition to play with the Lions? Genuinely, like, you, I can't help but feel like there was, he was five minutes away from the referee saying, sorry, you lost, mate. Yeah. Do you want me to find your parents? So, Did you mean to be here? He, I don't know if you've heard Tom Croft's anecdote about the Lions tour. No. Because obviously, you know, 
Uh, he was quite new into the England team at the time. He didn't know that many of the other England players mm. that were going on the tour that well. And the one only player he did know well was Harry Ellis, the other, England, uh, other Leicester player yeah. on tour. And apparently for most of the tour, they used to sit up in their room, just the two of them, and play Scrabble against each other. Really? And Tom Croft said, you know, like, sometimes they say to each other, you know, should we try and get some of the other players in to play Scrabble? And Harry Ellis said, like, yeah, I'm not just going to go to Brian O'Driscoll and ask him to play Scrabble <laughs> in my room. That's brilliant. I genuinely have ten times more respect for Harry Ellis after that. He knows his yeah. place. He knows that he... Yeah. Yeah. You can't go up to Brian O'Driscoll and ask him to play Scrabble with you. That was absurd. I wonder who was the best Scrabble player. I reckon Ellis, you know. I reckon Harry Ellis is good at Scrabble. I bet he is. I bet where he lacks in Scrum Half ability, he really, really makes up for in Scrabble now. I, I, yeah, I can see it. Tom Croft feels like the kind of guy who knows what... Like, Tom Croft is better at Scrabble after he's finished playing Scrabble. Okay. Right? Whereas Harry Ellis is great in the moment. I've got... um. A challenge for you. You've got to okay. pick a Springbok to oppose Harry Ellis in Scrabble. Oh! I know. From this 2009 squad. I know who I would pick from this 2009 squad. There's two, actually, but there's one Ooh. in particular that I'm thinking. Okay, so I think the obvious answer is Fory de Priya, right? Oh, that's a Fory good point, That's not who I was thinking. Feels like the obvious answer. Oh, yeah. If but it was chess, it would be Priya, but not Scrabble. Yes. I also reckon... Jean de Villiers would be okay. pretty good at Scrabble, but I'm gonna no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Foy de Prey. I was it's between de Villiers. And I was de leaning Prier, towards but... Victor Matfield. Oh um, yes, okay. I think Ruan Pinar would be a really adept Scrabble oh, player. Ruan Pinar would be good at Scrabble. There is of course one stipulation here: is that they mm. were going to enter Chile Boy Ralapelle, but he got done for doping before playing this game of yes. Scrabble. You know, he he took fish oil. <laughs> yes. To make himself a bit sharper. He, smug- he smuggled in a dictionary. Yeah, exactly. He had a cheat sheet. <laughs> he also, you know, tried to tamper with the rules so they could like, allow the word deoxys, you know? Yes. It's what he knows. It's what he knows best. Yeah, I would. I think I would... If I was Harry Ellis, I would mm. feel most nervous coming up against Rowan Pinar in the game of Scrabble. Okay, okay. If you were Harry Ellis, which player would you least want to invite up to your room for a game of Scrabble? That's a very good question. I mean, I would... Oh, who would I least From like? either squad. Oh, from either squad. Backy's Borta. From either squad. Backy's Borta. No, no, because Backy's Borta would come up, would I reckon say yes. Yes, but then he right? would break ba- your bed and then break your head. Yes, absolutely. He'd use your, break your head whilst breaking your bed. Yeah. You know, he'd use your head to break your bed. <laughs> there are different ways you can read that. I, I think Paul O'Connell might say no, but he's also quite a nice man. But he very to get it in his own head. I wouldn't fancy playing David Wallace at Scrabble. See, no, David Wallace seems like a kind of man that spends a lot of time in pubs. And I reckon you could get him to play a board game quite easily. Yeah. You're listening to the Matthew Squid Rugby Reese. Lions Tour retrospective. Carry on. <laughs> Matthew Reese. Matthew yeah. Reese. The... Simon, no, Simon Shaw, I bet, loves Scrabble. He loves a game of Scrabble. Simon I reckon, Shaw, I reckon Matthew Reese would be Simon Shaw's got dad energy. I reckon he'd be no good at Scrabble. No, he wouldn't. Simon Shaw would be useless. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, Matt Reese would be useless. I reckon Simon Shaw would be pretty good. Yeah. But like in a... You Alan Wynne-Jones would, would be so masterful at Scrabble, I reckon. Alan Wynne-Jones would be great the second time you play him. Uh, yeah, I guess Alan so, Wynne-Jones yeah. would be competent the first time, yeah. and the second time you play him, he'd, he would be within unbelievable. Within once, he'd like understand, you know, triple words and stuff, you know. He'd, exactly. He'd, he'd get it, he'd get every tactic down, yeah. and he'd also... He will have memorized all, of the, all of the combinations of possibilities that could happen in a game yes. of Scrabble, and exactly what you need to do. Like those chess players who do that, you know. Exactly, exactly. 
Uh, I'm thinking Joe Worsley will be near the bottom. Okay. John Hayes, actually, I reckon, is probably shite at Scrabble. Yeah. Um, Jamie Heaslip, I reckon, probably not the best Scrabble player. Jamie, yeah, Jamie Heaslip would give up half of the game. I think Tommy Bow would just play funny words. <laughs> Tommy Bow, yeah. I mean, the next tour like, is... Or every back on the next tour in 2013 would be just trying to play bum all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, I reckon, like, boobs. you know, yeah, Tommy Bow would be like, oh, I could play this, you know... All these, these, all these letters, or could put on a triple word, but instead yeah. you just play the word dog because it's a good word. Uh, Luke Fitzgerald, if they're playing at this end of the tour, would need someone to read the letters he's got out for him because he's been blinded Yikes. by Burger. Let's move on. Um, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's move um, back to rugby um, four. The move, the, oh, move. the move. Oh, so good. So yeah, so the Lions score. They are from this moment on pretty much just coasting a bit, and they're just having a good time. Like, yeah. you know that thing? <laughs> They're playing on I vibes. remember Way was doing it in the 33 game after Cuthbert's second try, where they could yeah. really kick on and be ruthless, but instead they were just having a nice time. Yeah, <laughs> They're just yeah, really yeah. enjoying the occasion, the yeah, Lions here. Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest moment, of course, of Franz Stein just playing like a complete dick. Mm. Why don't... Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, South Africa are 25-6 behind, right? They are 19 points down. And Francois Stein receives a kick. He has stood behind his own 10 metre line. He has stood about 61 metres out from the opposition goal line. And he attempts a drop goal. This drop goal would put them within two converted tries of winning the game. It's utterly pointless. Uh, Stuart Barnes refers to it as aimless, stupid showmanship, which I think accurately sums that up because there is nothing particularly you can gain out of it other yeah. than it being on a highlights package yeah exactly and you'd be like oh he did this playing for South Africa once that's cool but you look at the scoreboard and think what have we gained from that you yeah. know and also it's so unlikely that he's going to get it it is just on the off chance he does he's got a trick shot you know that's yeah, literally exactly. the only positive that goes against this it's completely selfish and just bad it's just it doesn't help his team out in any way it was also South Africa actually losing ground it's utterly pointless. Uh, he also, like, for the rest of the game, he's just playing like this kind of very, very selfishly, as you say. He throws one pass over the entire game, which is an offload, which is intercepted by Martin Williams. Yeah, he completely plays it. like he's above this team because yeah. they're losing. Like as soon as they're behind, he suddenly has a completely different attitude to what he had in the first two tests. And I think because he knows it's kind of largely a second 15, you know, there's a lot of unexperienced yeah, players yeah. there and so on. Victor Macri is not playing like that. Players. No, exactly, exactly. You know, the Beast isn't playing like that. Yeah, you know? John Smith, you know. Yeah, it's incredibly pointless and really, really stupid. But I guess he might have done it out of frustration, who knows. Then, uh, I guess, another thing that happens is Heinrich Rousseau gets a turnover and then they go for goal. So they do yeah. get that penalty to get the three points. So I don't know... It's a really that was... difficult shot at goal as well. And it's more than so was... you know you're going to get it, but... Was that maybe influenced by Francois Stein's thing? Did that maybe have tamper no with their psychology so that. they think that's a more viable option? Think, oh yeah, well, what we're doing is going for three points now. But John Smith's way above that. Yeah, I genuinely, I don't know. I wondered that, if that's the case, if they're just kind of... Strange call, because they've been going to the corner a lot, and they've not been yeah. doing too badly out of it. You know, you think something's eventually going to tick mm. over, and eventually they drive something. I, I don't know. 15 it's a points call. behind. Yeah. You know, like, they still need two tries, and at that point, they have 12 minutes to get them. Right, and yeah. they haven't scored a try all game. They haven't really, they've had one clear-cut chance, really, in the yeah. entire match. Bizarre. It's, it's weird. And then the Lions get down and kick another penalty, but South Africa, you know, it all feels 
very, very odd. We can discuss this penalty because... So what happens is, I think it is Franz Stein himself throws a pass to the floor. Mm. Mike Phillips hacks it on. Uh, it goes into the South African dead ball area. Yes. And Mike Phillips yes, just yes, thinks, yes. why don't we just start a fight over absolutely nothing here? And Heinrich Rousseau gets penalised for the fact Mike Phillips is being an utter twat. Do you want to know my favourite thing about this fight? Yeah. So Mike Phillips is starting this massive fight and everyone else is getting involved in the South African side. And, you know, one of the Lions players runs in straight away, which is Harry Ellis, right? Harry Ellis is a scrum after. So he goes, yeah, this is what scrum after do. We get involved in fights. We kind of do the scrappy do thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And nobody notices him. Like, I he runs up and shoves Brousseau, and Brousseau continues shoving Phillips instead. Brousseau just doesn't feel like, it. None of them, no one realises Harry Ellis is there. None of the other players he's trying to fight notice him. And it's almost heartbreaking to watch. Oh, bless him. Eventually, Harry, a young kid by the name of Faf de Klerk is going to come along and you'll feel so much more empowered. <laughs> it's just... It's just slightly upsetting to see Harry Ellis be completely ignored when all he wants to do is have a scrap with Heinrich Rousseau. It's like, you've got Mike Phillips, who's being a complete dick and, you know, just trying to style it out. And then you've got Harry Ellis, who's trying to be a complete dick and is coming across as a nice lad. (laughs) Exactly. It's got very like, yeah, I'm joining in. I'm helping. I'm helping. Yeah, yeah. Bless. bless Mike Phillips is being such a dick in this whole test series, man. Yeah. And then, yeah. So Heinrich Heinrich Brousseau just grabs him by the jersey and just slings him to the floor. And it's exactly what he deserved. And, like, Mm. I have no idea why he's penalised for that. Like, it's just, it's literally exactly the same as pushing and shoving. Right before they kick the penalty, the the previous one to make it 25-9, Martin Williams is lying at the bottom of the rack and he traps the ball between his knees. And Brousseau wants to take the ball for them to go quickly, you know, so they can wait their options. And Martin Williams then twists his body so he can't get to it. So it's still between his Classic. knees. And he continues lying there as Brousseau's going for it. So Brousseau picks him up and throws him at the floor. Like lifted oh, him up by the jersey, this, yeah. throws him back down by the back to the floor. And Nugget is lying there the whole time. Uh, eventually, man. he gets up, you know, the, someone takes the ball off him. And another South Af- he then jogs back onto the South African side and starts just laughing. And he is an angry, angry Brousseau man, and, so on, and I would hate to be in a fight with him because he is so hard. Brousseau. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Nugget was having a great time. He oh was yeah, I bet so he was, yeah. he was so happy about the fact that he'd really efficiently pissed him off because Brousseau was furious and oh, Nugget yeah, yeah, had done yeah. nothing. He'd, yeah. yeah, he'd done very little. He'd been like, well, he'd done technical things rather than Nugget had basically like... asked him why you're hitting yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the sort of vibes that um, that. Uh, clash of open sides brings yeah I, I think that brings to an end my praising of Heinrich Brousseau for this test series okay um, but the last thing that basically happens in the whole series <laughs> is you know what you were um, saying about uh, Lions getting some dubious decisions going their way so Stephen Jones sticking the ball in the air and Bismarck Duplessis just shoving him to the floor pointlessly they get a penalty they kick it they kick the points go 28-9 up Oh, oh, yeah, there's, no, there's, oh, there's one more thing after, after, this. after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, go this. on then. Go on then. South Africa me. I know what you're do have a chance to score eventually, you know. They eventually, they push away for quite a long time. They work an overlap. It's on. It's going to be great. It's in the corner. It's Nokwe, who's going over. Undergarni. And undergarni gone off, hadn't he? Oh, no, sorry, oh, no, Undergarni. No, yeah. it is Undergarni. So you're right, you're right, you're right. I was going to say Undergarni. Then I thought... Wait, no, he's got, he goes off and is replaced by Pierce Beats, but it's not, it's not where they go. never mind. You're right, yeah, yeah, it's Undergarni. He's about to score in the corner, and 
For some reason, he doesn't. Tommy Bow makes a really good shot on him. He does, yeah. Makes a really good tackle attempt. But Undengarni still gets the ball down and still his foot doesn't go into touch. I have no clue why that is disallowed. So the TMO says his foot is in touch when it very clearly isn't. Yes, his foot is not in... It's quite clearly not in touch. The ball is... The grounding is entirely fine. Yeah, it's a uh, brilliant the foot grounding. goes into touch about a second and a half after... after it's a great grounding. finish. Yeah. It's, it's genuinely a great finish, and I don't say that as a compromise because it just is, it's and just it really is a try. Finish. Yeah, like I have no idea why South Africa aren't rewarded for that. That you know the the TMO. I don't know. I don't know who who is the TMO. Is it Bryce Lawrence? Because no, if I'm so, sure. he's in hot water. But I, I don't remember. know who the TMO is. But I did look it up, and I've forgotten. It's not someone who was a major TMO. Right. Okay. Yeah. Either way, it's a very questionable decision. Uh, it should have been a try. Yes. Simple as yes, it absolutely was a try. I was baffled all over again by the fact that it it was not. But then you know, at some point, the Springboks try and attack again. Ball comes loose, and Stephen Jones really awkwardly kicks it out along the floor. Yep. Oh no, sorry. The team is Bryce Lawrence. Oh, is it? That is Bryce oh, Lawrence. Well, he's anti South African, isn't he? Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Um, I did not realise that. I was mixing up with Vinnie Monroe, who was the touch judge. Right. Because we, of course, they Christoph Birdas on touch again, but he didn't get involved. Yeah, because they had the same four officials, didn't they? Yeah. Rotating, yeah. So yeah, so Undungani really harshly denied a try. Uh, yeah. The Lions survived for another minute, and the ball is eventually, you know, eventually the hooter goes, they can boot it out, and they can start celebrating a test win out of nowhere. And sure, this is the yeah. kind of game that a lot of people that aren't from the British Isles wouldn't understand why this was such a big deal, but it was. It felt, you know, it'd been quite a long time since the Lions last won a game. Never mm. mind, you know, a te- after the test series that had just been, which was so demanding and so emotionally draining, I think yeah. for a lot of players and fans. Yeah, and you know, to come away two-one against that Springbok team is mm. a good result. I think you know that is this is a monumental Springbok side. Um, yeah. And some of the players playing in this second team, you know, are excellent. Some yeah. of them aren't. But um, that's, well, it's it's a really, really good result to come away f- with one I, convincing test win. If I can do another name drop, right? Yeah. Uh, when I interviewed Brian Habana, he said that he always thought that 2019 Springbok team was better than the 2017. Right. Yeah. And he said he felt we had a better team. We were playing better rugby. I was more confident. I thought I was better. Oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was the same team, but two years on. Plus, they had the likes of Pinar and Stain and whoever to call upon. They had more depth. They had a more dynamic game. Like they were, yeah. you know, they were. They had more to attack with. They yeah, were better at using that. Peterson and Habana than they were two years. They earlier. were so undoubtedly the best team in the world. Yeah. Whereas in two thousand and seven, they kind of got there through playing a game plan that won them a World Cup and was really yeah. suited to what rugby sure. was at that time. Like as I've said, I think that's very similar to. The Springboks now, like in 2019, they mm. won the World Cup because they had the, the best game plan. Whereas yeah. now, having won the Lions Tour, they just objectively are the best team in the world. Well, we'll mm. see actually when they play the All Blacks in a couple yeah. of weeks. But for my money, they're the best team in the world. Yes. You know, you can't argue with the fact that they are the number one ranked team in the world. They won the World Cup and they haven't lost a game since. Yeah, exactly. Other than to uh, the Bulls. Other than to the Bulls. Of course, the Bulls who are the best team. I take replace everything I just said, but we'll put the Bulls in for South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bulls are the best team in the world other than Munster. That's so, the line should, tour should we... They should just taught a bull. Just one yeah. bull. Not even yeah. the team, just a bull. They should bring the Raging Bull for Vickery with them. The, yes, they should. They should. And then they should just watch Raging Bull. Yeah. And the film Fernando starring John Cena, um, which is an animated movie about a bull voiced by John Cena. Cool. And then they should go to a, they should do to a, they should go to a China shop as well. Should you man the matching dick of the day? 
Well, I would suggest that, but I first want to give you a quote by the one and only Mr. Miles Harrison, who I think okay. has some thoughts on us doing Man of the Match and Dick of the Day. What that was say? that was not very clear. What he said was lots of players are being on tension with Man of the Match, but to pick out just one player today, how stupid would that be? So let's do Man of the Match. Yes, we are stupid. Especially you. Anyway, my Man of the Match contenders. So one is Tommy Bow. He yeah. was just like every time like he adapted to playing centre so so well because his yes. lines of running are just always spot on. Like his rugby brain is is just unbelievably good. I pull O'Connell written down. I think he was monumental. I think he just got through so much work uh, and was just so uncompromising all day. Mm-hmm. A Do lot you, of I South think Africans. Was monumental. Go on, Monia. Hugo Monia. Uh, yeah. uh, I Do think you know what I think was mental. We didn't really talk about this, right? But Mike Phillips plays centre when James Hook, who is a centre and is his oh, best yeah. position in the position where he won most of his caps. Is on the bench. He also is James Hook, so let's move on. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a fair point. I get it. I think. I, I think it. John Smith played well. In John Smith actually fair play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Decent shout. I yeah. think to say he will have been knackered from the Test series playing at yes. tight head prop to still turn out performances as well as he did. My man of the match is Shane Williams. Mm. I think mm. to come off the back of. A, bat- a tour where he wasn't at his best as the reigning world player of the year where he was really trying too hard and then to find something where he can make these line breaks and set up this space uh, I think he was a completely different player from what he's looked on the rest of the tour Okay, no I get that completely and I think that was the thing that was talked about an awful lot um, after the game was, you know, I think Shane was given the official man of the match and of course two tries obviously and as he said, looked back to his best he is not my man of the match uh, He also still all day mass. For me, it is Doho Damas, who is, I think, the best player to ever play for Eberoni. Um, yes, I would know. My, my man of the match, and I kind of keep mentioning him, but most of my notes were about him, and I loved watching him, and I thought he would made such a difference, is Martin Williams, Nugget yeah. himself, who was just constantly... like the, the first half, right? The breakdown is the Wild West... No one is being penalised for anything. And Heine Brousseau and Martin Williams both take advantage of that. But Martin Williams also makes a sidestep, so that makes him man of the match because that's okay. uh, Marcus Smith logic. Um, Very true. So if you can be a competent player at that level, but also sidestep once, you are automatically man of the match every game you play. No, I, I love watching Martin Williams. I thought he was crucial in the Lions, you know, both that kind of link play thing he was always talking about doing, but also just being such a nuisance of the breakdown. Because not nuisance in the way, again, a lot of blankers are. Nuisance because he was actually cheating. Um, yeah. He would have won every game of Scrabble because he would have just put in words that don't exist, but then made it definitions for them yeah uh, he would have pulled up scrabblecheck.com and gone yes. oh yeah it says it's a word you know and he would have edited the page beforehand yeah oh man good old martin williams do you want to do dick of the day first or should i do you do dick of the day first okay obviously stephen jones is in the conversation he misses the conversion <laughs> between the posts unforgivable obviously zane kirshner is in the conversation a he is zane kirshner b he dropped the ball like just short of the try line c he wasn't that good but Dick of the day. How could I not give it to Peter de Villiers? Like, mm. I just think the fact that we've gone through this test series and I'm not, he's not been given one yet, I, I, he just has to be, you know, for the whole thing about Scott Berger and the two twos and all of that. Like, he was just a complete nightmare this whole time. And also just really weird. And also he picked Zane Kirshner at fullback. So my dick of the day is Peter de Villiers. So I was going to pick Peter de Villiers until deep into the second half. 
I was for pretty much the same reasons. You know, he he said those things during the week about the tutus and about the you know ex- excusing gouging et al. And then followed it up by picking Zane Kirshner. But then I watched Francois Stein play, <laughs> and Francois Stein played like such a dickhead. I couldn't. Do you call it rewarding him, giving him dick of the day? Sure, sure. It's one of the most arrogant, into-themselves performances I've ever seen from any player. Sure. And for the sheer dickhead energy, I have to give him dickhead of the day. Fair enough. You know, by by definition, he's the dick of the day. Which brings us, we now have the final table of the Lions, Man of the Match, and Dicks of the Day. Okay? Yeah. So, we have a clear outright winner on Dick of the Day, whereas there's a joint award on Man of the Match. Okay. Uh, some runners-up on Dick of the Day. Pat Sillias, Shane Williams, and Keith Earls all have two nominations each on Dick of the Day. Um, thanks to Tom Savage for Shane Williams' nomination. But, of course, the clear winner of the Dick of the 2009 Lions series was Christoph Burdos. <laughs> of course, of course. Man, Peter Devonius has gotten away with murder there. <laughs> yep. But... Burdos was the judge who watched it happen and didn't give him a prison sentence. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then we have a few contenders. So I think we need to find a tiebreaker means of separating the five players in contention for Man of the Series. Okay. okay. So we've got two options. We can either do like a random number generator. Okay. Or we can come up with some sort of other system to choose. I reckon. Read them out and we'll decide. Okay. Number one, Lee Byrne. Okay. Lee Byrne gets injured before the test series, so we can't Lee Byrne, very much the second best fullback on tour. Yes. So Lee Byrne is Byrne. He's out of contention. He's out of contention. Okay. Dan Roll Damas. I think he's a really strong contender. Keep him in. Leave him in. Really strong contender. Martin Williams. Yeah, he's in contention. He played well. Sure. Yeah, you know, came off the bench, did pretty well in two games. Yeah, yeah, adapted to his role. Uh, Tendayam Tarariwa. Yeah, absolutely in contention. Very, very good prop forward. But did lose the last game, so true. Uh, More Rob him. Carney, oh, who yeah, is good. unbelievable in all three tests, but not so much in the warm-up games. And we right. put equal weighting on the warm-up games. Yeah, what I was going to do is I was going to just pick a man of the series for each team, mm. but not based on that. But mm. that said, my Lions we man of the add, series. We didn't add these in like we did on twenty eleven, did we? So we should add our man of the series onto either. And Dick of the Series on time. I mean, my man of the series is Rob Carney anyway for the Lions. Like, I think he was the Lions' best player Mm. in the Test Series. And I just, yeah. I'm not going to lie, I think he is mine as well. Yeah. So that decides who the Lions' best player is. And my Springbok player of the series is probably Doel Demas. Or Forward to I think my Springbok player of the series is Willem Duval, um, who, of course, kicked a goal at some point not in this test series yeah so therefore look i'm just going to call it the official squidge rugby world lions tour retrospective podcast dick of the series christoph burdos but yeah. man of the series is rob carney but also donald damas it's donald damas it's donald damas i mean it's rob carney it's rob who was the best player in the test series Oh, no, you're right. It's Foy Dupree. Yeah. Foy Dupree doesn't have a single nomination. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Yeah, well, we won't. Or, or um, 
So that brings the end of the whole test series, the whole of the 2009 Leons. Mm-hmm. We will return to cover the 1987 Rugby World Cup. I cannot Cup. wait. So do you remember what the first game in that um, tournament is? New Zealand against Italy. Okay. And we might have a guest for that? We might have a guest. We're hoping to have a guest. Yeah. So, so that's the plan. Fun. So the plan is to just move on to probably the worst rugby we can find. Watch it. Enjoy it. Take the piss out of it. And just, you know, have some good vibes along the way, man. Also, this is the first time, you know, like we will have never watched any of these games before, no, apart from maybe no. a bit of the final. You know? I've seen the bronze medal match and the final, I think. <laughs> so this is so going to be the last two games we get to. Uh, so I know nothing. I've seen highlights of the odd game. And I believe at the minute we have access to at least the first sort of 15 games. So I'm hoping we can run the whole thing pretty uninterrupted and yeah. through. That will be a new series coming soon. I'm not quite sure how long we're going to take off in between. Uh, but we will return with that in the near we future. Obviously, we took a long time off during the Real Lions Tour of 2021. Yeah, so yeah. We won't take too long off. I'm no, sure. no, no. It won't be that. It won't be that kind of, you know. Yeah. It but, might be a week or two. Who knows? Yeah. But. We'll take some time to recalibrate, look over the whole thing, and then we'll come at you with the... Very exciting. We're back to the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective. Yes, we can change our logo back. For the <laughs> 1987 World Cup. Well, it's been a pleasure doing this Lions series. I don't think we're going to do a wrap-up episode because no. it feels like we've just done it. Who knows, maybe maybe we'll just throw our wrap-up episode and just put it, put it in with the 1987 World Cup. Maybe just like <laughs> we'll just nominate a game to talk about maybe the 2009 Lions. We'll just story. get halfway through. And we'll look at these games, because I've got the fixtures in front of me now for the 87 World Cup, and boy, phew, there's a lot of blowouts. Um, <laughs> we might have nothing we'll get, to talk about. We'll get partway through and just talk about the 2009 Lions tour for a sure. second set. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being you. And I will see thanks. you in the future for more rugby. Goodbye. Also, the move. Oh, the move, man. The move. Anyway, bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 